1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Milwaukee, start your
2: engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now,
3: here's your host, Steve Saki. Hey, welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you, of course, by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Make sure you check out Great Lakes Dragway this weekend because of course it's the Time Machine Nationals. This is the big one. Uh, This is one of their biggest weekends of the year and one of my favorites too. Uh, This is a chance for you to see all the great old dragsters of yesterday. And uh, it's just a really cool event. And with all the upgrades that Great Lakes Dragway continues to do throughout the year and in years past, it's just a fun thing to do this weekend. So uh, don't forget this weekend, of course, the Time Machine Nationals uh, with the uh, uh, Front Engine uh, Nostalgia Nitro Dragsters uh, today only. Uh, And what's cool with uh, Great Lakes Dragway, you can get a two-day pass for today and tomorrow. And then don't forget the special guest appearance by fan favorite, a Hall of Fame drag racer, Arnie the Farmer Bestwick. That's at the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. And i also like to thank our friends at David Hobbs Honda. Of course, davidhobbs.com for the best in not only new cars, new Hondas, but also uh, certified used Hondas. That's at davidhobbs.com, 6100 North Green Bay Avenue. And, of course, joining me as usual, it is the Polish Pipe Bomb. Jeff Orlowski how are you doing today, sir?
4: Oh, what a beautiful day it is. I'm doing fantastic. Steve, how about
3: yourself? Good, good. Not, not, not a great week, uh, weekend for Wisconsin sports fans. Uh, of course, with the Bucks uh, struggling like they are, and I mean it. it <laughs> I, I guess the post-game uh, press presser, and we can bring in Mayor Mitch uh, on this too. Uh, you know, there's there's still confidence uh, amongst the players. I don't know if they're if they're just fronting for the cameras, Mitch, or, or what, but. I mean, they 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 think they can come from behind and win win four straight on the Heat, but I mean, it just seems startling. On a two, the 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 two things that I've noticed, being a lifelong NBA fan, is the uh, what the Heat are bringing the energy and drive, and the lackadaisical kind of sloppiness that we've seen with the Bucks since they've gone you know into the bubble here. It, and just the coaching decisions, I mean, uh, you're basically using the same, uh, it's, uh, you know, subbing yeah. the same way you do in a regular season game. It certainly is frustrating, isn't it, Mitch?
2: Yeah, I mean, and you had George Hill after the game last night, and he said, you know, fair point to him was, you know, let's make history. We've never played in a bubble before, and so why can't we win four straight and be the first team to win four straight? I know the Bucks earlier this year won 18 in a row, Steve, and, uh, you know, so, but you're right. I mean, it's over. It is. It's sad. Yes. It's just, it's one of those things where, yeah, I mean, honestly, Miami, I would not be surprised if they won it all. Right. They look that
3: good. I mean, as a team, they really have gelled. And you just, they have a drive. And they've they come into the series, they're hungry, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
2: and every basket. I know the first three quarters, we all felt great last night. The Bucks were up by a dozen heading into the fourth quarter but you kind of could just tell that still every shot the bucks took last night was was a difficult shot it seemed like you know maybe maybe every three or four possessions they get a wide open look and they'd obviously miss it but every possession was a tough shot whereas Miami is going down and doing what they want as they've done for the first 3 games of the series the bucks is on offense are not moving and they don't seem to be making the adjustments that they need to make. And, you know, I'm not a basketball coach, so I don't, I can't really lay out a list of things they should be doing differently. Right. Um, But I think one of them would be playing your best players more than 35 minutes. And that's what happened last night. Again was less than 36 minutes from Giannis and Chris Middleton and that, and that, and that just can't happen. And then after the game, you know, coach bud is just, is just so, yeah, yeah. you know, eh, whatever, you know, nice. eh, you know, I mean, eh, you got to give them credit, you know, it's like, no, you got. I mean, you got to do something differently, or, or at the very least, make the easy adjust. And West Matthews again did not play. I don't think the entire fourth quarter, as Jimmy Butler did again when he did. And Game Three was a carbon copy of Game One.
3: You know, it was interesting too. Is is when they mentioned you know they they, they can bring in their siblings now into the bubble and add. And and Jimmy Butler said, "No, I'm here to work." And okay. then they show the picture of Giannis with his girlfriend and the new baby, and then you got the you know the well, the opposite. You yeah, got Jimmy I mean, Butler that, that said, stuff. Doesn't,
2: that doesn't bother me as much. It I,
3: doesn't you, until you saw the play though. I mean, and yes. And you saw Jimmy Butler playing. I mean, MVP. I mean, who's the MVP in this series? Jimmy Butler. It ain't Giannis.
2: Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. I don't know how much of it we can we can blame on Giannis. I, I would think. A big part of me thinks this guy's the MVP, and they continue to say he's back-to-back MVP, even though I mean everybody's saying it now, even though it's not official. Um, although it seems to me, if my memory serves me correct, there was a lot of scuttlebutt uh, even before the hiatus and during the hiatus that LeBron could win the MVP. Well, he doesn't look a whole lot better, I guess, than he did either before the hiatus, too. So, you know, they've already crowned him back-to-back MVPs, and and at some point in this series, he needed to assert his will more than he, you know, he ended up with 29 in game two, and I think he had 21 last night, but that's just not good enough. And the team plays off of him basically. And if he's just beating his head against the proverbial and literal wall that the Miami defense has created against him, you're not, you're not going to go anywhere.
3: And Tyler Hero certainly stepped up and, you know, you got to give a tip of the hat to him because, I don't think anybody saw this a year and a half ago. What he's doing now, so, but you know what? It doesn't matter, guys. Clippers are going to win it all anyway. So,
2: well, I I, <laughs> I, I, I hope so. And it, 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 honestly, I would not be surprised if it's Heat and Clippers in the, and that's yep. easy after you know their first game of their series. But Denver just, I don't know. Yeah. They did not look very good. They were they were worn out. I don't I don't think they were ready to play. We'll see how they bounce back. But it's you know Heat and Clippers, and I would not be surprised if the Heat won at all. And, Boston, and- uh, Boston's fine too, but I just think the way Miami's playing and the amount of talent they do have and the, the cohesiveness they play with, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's gonna get, gonna take them down.
3: Yeah. Well, as uh, what at least the Brewers are winning, and uh, as my buddy texted me the other day, uh, even if they do have a 300-pound first baseman. So, all right, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Jeff Furlesky. Last week he weekend. does look like
2: he could probably be probably be playing at the. Uh, Near the Great Lakes Dragaway down in Union Grove at the at uh, the softball uh, You know, league. back
3: in the day, there there was a team. Uh, this way before your time, Mitch and even Jeff, uh, there was a softball team nationally known. In fact, I think this might have been the first live broadcast on ESPN. There's a softball team called the Milwaukee Schlitz, and yes, he would fit in very well on that team. back in the day, so uh, Jeff Wrulaski, the Polish pipe bomb. Hello. We had- We had NASCAR Series race number 26, the 62nd annual Coke Zero Sugar 400, or what we like to call it, the Firecracker 400, uh, last week at Daytona. And William Byron, the winner in the 24 car, uh, over Chase Elliott, Hendrick 1 and 2, of course, with everybody's favorite, Denny Hamlin, 3rd, Martin Truex, and Bubba Wallace in the 43 car, 5th. And uh, everybody was kind of excited. I liked it. I think it was more for the results. I think people were happy to see Byron win it. I think they were happy to see Bubba in fifth. Uh, you had uh, Bowman. You had uh, Brendan Gaughan in a top ten. Chris Boucher, who we mentioned on the show, uh, finishing in the top ten. And uh, you, you weren't too excited about the race, were you?
4: It was okay. Uh, it got, it's getting a ton of love. Like it was one of the greatest races ever. And I just didn't see that. I I didn't feel the excitement. I wasn't jumping off my couch or even really sitting on the edge of my couch, but you know, I'm kind of biased when it comes to plate racing anyway, but, um, you know, yeah, the, the top 10 was great. You know, it's nice seeing, uh, different names up there, obviously, Super Speedway, Daytona, Talladega, these are the tracks where you get the Brendan Gaunts and the Bubba Wallace and Busher and those guys who can finish in the top ten and have have themselves one hell of a day, uh, both for themselves and for their sponsors. So, you know, on um, that side, it was good. Uh, With Byron winning, we said last week that we wanted somebody to win their way in, not just have Mm -hmm. everybody point their way in. Right. Uh, I'm happy Jimmy Johnson missed the playoffs. It's time for him to ride off into the sunset. So sayonara, Jimmy, and uh, enjoy the last 10 races riding in uh, in 20th. So, you know, all in all, it was an okay race, but I wasn't on the edge of my seat, and it didn't pack the excitement like so many other tracks, like Darlington, I think, will uh, tomorrow night, for example. But uh, it sure is getting a whole lot of love on – on Facebook and Twitter,
3: I, I liked it. I, I mean it I, I think it was it was a couple of things though. I think it's because it was Daytona. It was a night night race uh, with everything in the country, what's going on. It was a nice diversion. So I think that way, I think people were just happy to see uh, a you know people are always comfortable with Daytona. They love Daytona. Daytona's ratings are always good. And uh, I think it was just like putting on an old pair of tennis shoes in the summer, feeling comfortable and uh, you know enjoying a race. I mean, you know, I, th- I think that was just part of it. And plus, you know, I, I you know we we talked about this too with the shortened races last that. You know, it's 100 it's a 400 miler, which is a comfortable time. Let me see if I can get the time of the race. It wasn't overly long. They did have a red flag on it, but um, you know, it, it, it's here, time of race: two hours, thirty-nine minutes. I mean, yeah. two hours, basically two hours and forty minutes. That that that's about the t- the length of time a a NASCAR race should uh, should be, shouldn't it be?
4: Yeah, you know, the uh, the time it took to get in was fine. You know, it helped that there wasn't uh, multiple big ones, and yes, there was a red flag and all that, which slowed it down, and obviously the competition ca- uh, caution and. Stage breaks and all that slow it down to begin with, anyway. But, uh, but yeah, it had a nice pace to it. And, uh, and, you know, you can't argue with that. It's good for the TV audience and it's good to, uh, to hold people's attention. So, you know, all in all, was it a successful race? Sure. You know, I just, I don't understand. You know, people are treating it like it was, uh, the second coming. And, uh, and I just didn't see that. But uh, like I said, you know, uh, we set the playoffs. Finally, it was, I think it's uh, very interesting that Daytona was uh, the regular season cutoff because anything and everything can happen. And the only people who went in there comfortable, yeah, there was probably eight or nine people. Clint Bloyer locked himself into the playoffs really early um, in uh, the Daytona race. So, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of positions. I think it was just, you know, three that officially needed to get locked in. So there were some guys riding around who were comfortable. And, um, you know, that might be another reason why the top ten looked the way it did.
3: Uh, We're we're playing a little bit uh, loosey-goosey on this show just because we're going up against another race. Uh, And the reason being that is it's Kentucky Derby weekend which, boy, this is really a screwed-up year, isn't it? We had the Indianapolis 500 a couple weeks ago. We got the Kentucky Derby today. We had the Firecracker 400 just before Labor Day. Everything is just totally whacked out. But uh, I had TV on, and as I like to do, uh, if I want to get to sleep, nothing better than an old West Coast baseball game. (laughs) And it was interesting, the Padres and the A's, and what was unique about that? That no, I'm a uniform nerd, and here we have the only baseball team, uh, in in baseball currently using the color brown, which I suppose is a good thing, uh, with the Padres. And then you had the uh, Oakland Athletics, which is the only team that uses green and yellow in their t- color scheme. But I, what 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 made me think of it is the they mentioned the time of the game last night in which the Padres looked very good. I mean, that is a, that team can hit. It's such a difference between the Brewers. Uh, you, If you really want to feel bad, Fernando Tatis has 14 home runs, which is a uh, more RBIs than Christian Yelich has right now. So, uh, anyways, uh, the the time of the game last night was two hours and 40 minutes. So that's me. That's kind of what made me think of the with the with the uh, Firecracker 400 also being two hours and 40 minutes. That's a good time for you know that's a really for a sporting event. I don't care what it is. Two hours and 40 minutes. I think is pretty much the optimal time that gives you a little bit of time for an intro and a little bit of an outro, and you got a three-hour uh, kind of package there, Jeff. Yeah,
4: and it is. And you know, baseball's been working on pace of play and all that. Yet every rule change that they've uh, in- instituted and everything that Manfred has done to try to ruin the game is just to help the <laughs> offense. Uh, so you would think that uh, you know they they whine and cry about pace of play. Relievers have to face you know three batters or get out of an inning. Um, all those kind of kind of crazy rules. Yet they want. Uh, non-stop offense which uh, slows the game down. So it uh 2 hours 40 minutes is great. It, you know, that's uh definitely uh in my wheelhouse uh for attention span. You know, I love baseball. I don't care if I'm at a, if I'm at a ball game and the game goes 4 hours, I'm not going to sit there and complain about it, you know. Right. I'll just shut up and grab another hot dog or six. And uh you know, so I, I don't understand. I'm not the whole pace of play guy. But when it comes to racing, I think, you know, when you have a fringe sport and all that, and you're trying to attract uh, a wider television audience and more casual fans to get involved in it, you definitely need it to be shorter rather than longer. That's the one thing that the NBA does great, is that their games, you can pretty much set your watch to them. It's about two hours and ten minutes two fifteen. fifteen. And and the game is over, and so even if you're going as a spectator, the game starts at seven. You know you're walking out of there by nine fifteen, and you're home by nine forty-five, and I think that's that's great because it works like clockwork, and you can totally plan your night. If you got to go to work the next morning, it's not that big of a deal. You know you can wake up and 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 go, and it's not a problem. So. You know, I think 240 is great, and I'm, I'll tell you, for Daytona, I'm shocked it only took 240.
3: Yeah, it's it's surprisingly, too, especially, you know, they can turn into Crash Fest, you can get red flags and whatnot, but uh wasn't too bad. Um, let's play real quick. I don't want to dwell on this too long, because we, we pretty much have known who is going to be in the playoffs for a while now. But, uh, of course, we have Harvick and Hamlin. That's the two-headed monster. Uh, Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano. Uh, Chase Elliott and Martin Truex. Martin Truex, Mr. Consistency. He's been uh, really, really starting to come on as of late. Uh, Then you got Blaney, Ryan Blaney, who is, uh, you don't know what, you know, he's had a lot of bad luck. Uh, Bowman and Byron have looked good at times. Uh, of course, there's Jeff's favorite driver, Austin Dillon, and then you have Cole Custer, who I don't want to say lucked in, but you know had a good race and in you know glimpses of some uh, uh, talent. Eric Amarola, Clint Boyer, who uh, we'll talk to about him later, uh, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, and uh, uh, Di Benedetto, and. You know, well, here we go. Let's go. Uh, the first round's going to have uh, Darlington, uh, w- Richmond, and Bristol. And uh, if you look at the four that could get eliminated out, I, I now see, I think it was uh, Dennis last week said it, it's going to be DiBenedetto, Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch, and Boyer, I think. Isn't that what he picked? No, he picked, or did he pick Custer, Dillon, and Matt De Benedetto?
4: Yeah, I think he picked Custer, Dillon, and DiBenedetto. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, obviously everybody knows about Kyle Busch's struggles this year. Still hasn't won a race yet, which is very uh, surprising for all NASCAR fans. Kurt Busch has had a fast car all year long. His car has been a hell of a lot faster than most of the finishes he has to show for it. I think, you know, Eric Amarola the same way. Ryan Blaney, you mentioned it. You don't know what you're going to get week in, week out with him. If the playoffs would have started about five weeks ago, Ryan Blaney probably would have been in the top four favorites to win the title. Uh, you got Hamlin, Harvick, Truex, and then you got the question mark. But he has raced himself out of that position with his struggles the last
3: few weeks. Yeah, it should be interesting. Well, let we'll 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 talk more about this at the bottom of the hour with though when Dennis Michelson from D Mike Media joins us. We're gonna take a quick break and when we actually come back, we're gonna talk a little uh open wheel racing with me uh and jeff coming up next on the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary great lakes dragway in union grove and david obzanda and welcome back to the final inspection show steve Zaki, along with the polish pipe bomb jeff Erlowski. And uh, some uh, some news in Formula One here. Uh, of course, we have the Italian Grand Prix this weekend at Monza. Uh, Mercedes, Jeff, Formula One team. Uh, they've somebody dug into how much they were spending on Formula One last year to win the the, the title, which you finished one and two. Uh, they spent. Are you ready for this? But oh, yeah. take a guess how much. Take a guess uh, how much money they spent. Two hundred million. Your phone cut out. How much? Two hundred million. Two hundred million. You wish. They wish. They ready? Four hundred and forty-two million dollars on Formula One last year.
4: Oh, that's it, huh?
3: Just under half a billion. Wow. You know know the old adage? uh, uh, What is it? uh, Money is speed. Yeah, that's. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's that's the gross national product of many nations.
4: <laughs> yeah, it is. That is a uh, outrageous number. I was sitting there flipping through the channels this
3: morning, Steve, and I saw F1 qualifying. And uh, uh, your phone is still cutting out. Yeah, your uh, phone is still cutting out here.
1: mentioned uh,
3: said... this, Renault, Renault uh, F1 is reporting to change their name next year. They're going to go with Alpine which uh, to many Americans is Alpine, but it's pronounced Alpine. Uh, That's kind of like their sports side of uh, Renault, so it should be the Alpine Formula One team next year, Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they've been showing a lot of speed as of late and uh, been kind of moved past uh, Ferrari and uh, challenging Racing Point uh, for that third spot behind, of course, the almighty Mercedes and then Red Bull who's in that second spot. Jeff, how are you doing? Is your phone better?
4: I hope so. Uh, What's the latest on Yochen Rent?
3: Yochen Rent, yes. It's the fifth today. Is the uh, 50th anniversary of uh, the 1970 world champion who lost his life, unfortunately, uh, this weekend at uh, Monza in a practice crash in 1970. He was the first post-homeless uh, world champion, uh, locking in the championship and uh, was crown champion after he had passed away. Uh, this weekend back in 1970, uh, drove for Team Lotus and basically replaced uh, uh, Jim Clark on that team in a roundabout way and uh, won the championship and unfortunately had a, uh, a crash and the car spun violently uh, and uh, he did not wear... Uh, uh, crotch, uh, crotch belt, and unfortunately, uh, the way the accident is, he he uh, received injuries because of that. And tragic, uh, tragic, tra- tra- tragic accident. But uh, uh, many, many remember uh, Jochen Rent who and he had a beautiful wife, uh, the Austrian driver who passed away 50 years ago today in a crash in a Lotus. He passed Lotus away 72.
0: Crotch
3: in injuries? Uh, no, he did not die from that. Uh, he just felt uncomfortable. Well, you know, well, if, if you think of a a mere five years before, uh, five or six years before, most Formula One drivers still weren't wearing seatbelts uh, because the the, uh, the they were so scared of being trapped in a flaming race car. A lot of them thought, you know what? I'd rather take my chances being thrown clear of my race car than being uh, burned alive. So uh, a lot of them didn't start wearing, wearing safety belts until the mid to late 60s.
4: Yeah, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Especially with the speeds. They still had great speed, you know, all the way back then. So Right, oh, yeah, yeah. That makes it even more un- unbelievable. That's, that's brutal. When, uh, Steve, I was looking... Um, trying to find the uh, the next indy car race when when's that taking place
3: well apparently uh it's going to be at the, the first week in october in indianapolis as of right now that's the uh the autumn fest whatever they're calling it on the road course at indianapolis uh a doubleheader there but they're they're still trying to slot in the mid ohio race which uh they're they're still waiting you know the track is working with you know state officials because of uh you know, social distancing and everything and and trying to figure out when exactly they can have this race. It was postponed. I believe it's supposed to happen this weekend, and they're kind of in a wait-and-see and and in a a holding pattern with that. So uh, as of right now, we're not going to see, as of, you know, right now, unless something changes uh, in the bit here, we're we're not going to see an IndyCar race in the month of uh, September.
4: Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, You know, obviously all the people that listen to the show week in, week out, know that I... Complain about the IndyCar schedule all the time, and I know that this isn't their fault because of the Mid Ohio race and Corona and all that kind of garbage. But, uh, but yeah, that's insane that uh, they're going to go a month from uh, one race to the next. That uh, it's hard to build up a whole lot of momentum and uh, and fan uh, interest when uh, when you race once
3: a month. Well, and they were supposed to do a West Coast swing, and they just canceled those two races. They were supposed to race at Laguna Seca in Portland, and obviously uh, Portland's having some <clears throat> minor issues out there. And, and then also at Laguna Seca, so the West Coast is still pretty much uh, still shut down and everything. Uh, you can't even get a haircut. Uh, well, well, I mean, sir, some well, people can get a haircut out, and, uh, but yeah. Um, and then uh, some uh, one of our friends, friends of the show, some breaking news, right?
4: Yeah, good old Leo, uh friend of the show. He's uh doing he's got dealing with some medical issues, so uh we wish him well and uh, and hope uh, hope he gets better and back on his feet real quick.
3: Yeah, and then also Willie T. Ribs is uh signed up for the uh, Superstar Racing Experience uh series. The XRX series, they're calling it that's the series I was started with Tony Stewart and, and uh, Ray Everham. And the biggest, what's the most important thing about that deal is yes, they have a television contract with uh, CBS Sports Network. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that develops over the next few races. And I believe there's going to be a kind of like a Cup slash Trans Am type car. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. So, uh, interesting to see how that continues to develop and what other drivers they get. And we'll they'll have more drivers announced uh, as they continue on here. But uh, right now we got uh, Willie T. Ribs, Tony Stewart. Looks like Tony Kanon, Paul Tracy, Bobby Labonte, and uh, Elio Castro Neves. And uh, this is a series that's supposed to premiere in primetime on CBS Sports Network in the summer of 2021. So it'll be interesting to see about that. i tell you what, let's take a break now, Jeff. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Dennis Michelson from D-Mike Media talk more NASCAR coming up next on the Final Inspection Show.
2: Final Inspection. Final
1: Inspection.
2: Now. Dennis Michelson of DMike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing.
3: Special show, Steve Zaki, along with the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Relosky. joining us oh yes, on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. It is Dennis Michelson. Dennis, welcome to the show, sir.
1: You guys are crazy. What? <laughs>
4: You're just figuring that out.
1: Yeah, it's been uh, been a long time figuring it out. Long time, long time. But, uh, you know, once, once I figure it out for something, I'm right on the Right on the money the
3: rest of the time, as they say. So some questions uh, coming up uh, for the 2021 season. It looks like we're going to have Nashville. But uh, what what, what other things do you think that might change up or or may remain the same with the schedule next year, Dennis? Well, it's
1: going to be really interesting to see how many changes we do see because of the lack of fans causing some financial woes for some of the tracks this year. It's also going to be interesting to see what happens with, you know, are are we done with Chicagoland now totally? I mean, are, are we going to see things change? I mean, I just, this year, 2020, nothing would surprise me, including having a giant asteroid hit phoenix international raceway right before the final i mean nothing nothing that has gone this season has gone according to plan of course nothing has gone according to plan in anywhere in the world this year so i guess that's fitting
3: yeah it certainly has been and you know of course there's a rumor of a new track being announced in the midwest possibly a road course on july 4th uh weekend but that remains to be seen of course, those who uh, have heard of that, and if you try and get a motel in that area, it's impossible to get a motel in that Midwestern city, possibly north of Chicago, on July 4th weekend. But we'll see how that develops in the near future, uh, Dennis. <laughs>
1: yeah, things, things are very um, very up in the air. Let's just put it that way.
3: And 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 the other thing uh, we we talked about earlier is the chance of some teams going to the wayside for 2021, and it looks like uh, one of them may be Jermaine uh, Racing.
1: Yeah, I actually um, last year talked to a guy that um, does some work for Jermaine Racing, and we were talking about. I was actually had an idea for doing a uh, some promotion and some podcast, uh work for the company or for that race team. And, and, you know, also sort of trying to set up a, a, a minor league to NASCAR type podcast so they could actually develop some guys and bring some money uh, drivers into that system, into that team. And, um, you know, quickly was told that, Hey, we're not sure of anything. We're not sure of anything in the future. And a lot of it had to do with what was Geico going to do as a sponsor. And that might be the reason that everything is going away for that team. So it, it's it's a shame, but it's not going to be the only team we see die. I wouldn't be surprised if even some of these bigger teams that have three or four teams or three or four cars this year cut back next year. I wouldn't even be surprised to see that happen at any large team. Um, It's just, there's so much uncertainty. The sponsors this year didn't get anything compared to the value of what they expect from a NASCAR sponsorship, because fans weren't there for the activation. The um, ratings on TV were not where anybody expected them to be. Um, And there was no, benefit to being a NASCAR sponsor as far as rewarding some of your distributors. And when you take away all of the benefits that a NASCAR sponsorship gives to you, why continue at these rates? I've already been told that just based on the advertising return on investment, that NASCAR is a lousy investment right now because of the cost it takes per race to advertise It's great for the Daytona 500 the rest of the season. There is no return on investment unless you have these activations at the track, whether you have these, these Mm -hmm. other things that you do that can help uh, support your distributors around the country for a lot of these products or, or services. And without that, there's no benefit to being on the, on the NASCAR team anymore. And that's the, that's, tragedy, but that's going to be
4: why we're seeing more teams leaving. Well, and more teams need to do that because, uh, you know, I I talked of uh, being at Chicagoland last year and just absolutely stunned on how little was going on uh, pre-race and and all that. They had some, you know, new country guy that sounds the same as all the other new country guys uh, (laughs) who did a concert, but uh, besides that, it was absolutely nothing. So, You know, the sponsors need to step up their game, and NASCAR does, too. Uh, We talked about, you know, Jermaine possibly closing the doors. Uh, Dennis, did you see the tweet from uh, Levine uh, when he talked about his exit from NASCAR? Because he sure burned them good.
1: Yeah, I saw some of that. I didn't see a a ton of – I didn't see all of it. Um, I have been just – in this social media avoidance zone for at times because it, everybody's so negative in the sports world right now. And, you know, all you hear is about politically motivated stuff. And, you know, the NASCAR news on, on social media has been mainly bad news. So there'll be days when I go into a social media blackout just to keep my sanity. But, yeah, there's the, the problem that you have right now is, you had a leader who thought that NASCAR was going to be worth a ton more than it is right now as far as sponsoring a car, being involved in races, all that kind of thing. And he was wrong. And that somebody was is now been totally uh, shunned from the NASCAR world by his own family. Um, but yet they're not undoing some of the things that he did. Um, I still believe that one of the appeals of NASCAR to fans and to teams and drivers was the fact that you could pull uh, a Robbie Riser, Matt Kenseth years ago. And that wasn't that many years ago. I mean, we're talking late nineties where you could decide, you know what, I'm going to build me a cup car
0: or I'm going to mm-hmm. build
1: me a push car and I'm going to take a shot at this and I'm going to get a trailer and I'm going to pull this sucker over to to North Carolina, and I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to go racing. And instead, what you have now is it costs so much money to build a car that the return on investment to the drivers isn't there either. There used to be a time when you could live off of what you need, racing in NASCAR. Now you've got to have that sponsorship just to break even. And a lot of these guys are seeing that sponsorship not weren't what it used to be. So I'm just of the belief that NASCAR fell in love with technology and unfortunately the fans don't love the technology and it makes it more expensive for the drivers as well.
3: Well they, they actually kinda envied what Formula One was doing. And they wanted yeah. those big they they, they, they you know and they, they kinda even said we'd rather have twenty four large teams then have you know a bunch of big teams and then some small you know mid teams and then you know and they they, they kind of with, with with the system they have set up now that's what they were looking for. Well, that's all fine and, and dandy when when economic times are good, but we've seen this with other race racing series too. You know they 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 love the manufacturers and they they screw the independents. And then the manufacturers leave on a whim, and then they're like, "Oh!" And they screwed all the independents, and then they have small fields. I mean, I mean, you, you look at what the the uh, the fields that they had up at Road America, uh, you know, for for their series up there. I mean, they had two groups of ten cars. That's ridiculous. You yeah. can't have a race like that, you know. So I mean, it, it's just so frustrating seeing this, and, and with uh, with NASCAR and what uh, what um, uh, Levine said, you know, he he mentioned about, you know, they're talking about Joe Gibbs doesn't have a had, a had a had a, they said had a terrible track record of chewing up and spitting out so-called satellite teams, and then NASCAR. Uh, turned a blind eye. This and no, only cares about optics and politics. He said. And then he said. Uh, and then when he asked about when uh, Levine family racing was leaving, uh, he tweeted out. He goes, uh, I've heard. I've expected nothing from NASCAR. And since our uh, since our announcement, I've heard nothing from them. Of course, that kind of goes along with our experience during our first five years. We never talked to anybody from NASCAR. We came in when we came in as nobodies, leaving the same. And I think there's a definite disconnect uh, with NASCAR and, and with some of the teams and that except for some of the the big boys. And you saw this, you know, you bring up Rob Robbie Reiser and that. Yes, that that is what, I mean, you know how NASCAR grew such a big, huge fan base in Wisconsin and the Midwest was they had a pipeline of drivers that we saw. You know, your Mark Martins, Rusty Wallaces, Alan Kulwicki's, and whatnot that were that were, you know, that, uh, this farm system they had with with article and ASA going to NASCAR. So we saw these drivers going up and there was an uh, there was, you know, the 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 fans really felt, uh, you know, aligned with them. And same thing with uh, Robbie Reiser and, and Kenseth. And you talk about a small team. You know, we, we've talked about this Rockingham, the, the famous Rockingham win with Kenseth and Tony Stewart. You know, I mean, that team was about to go under, and that saved the team, and look what happened. You know, became a a, a, a champion out of that. So, you know, and, and you don't see that anymore, and I think that's why there's a frustration with the NASCAR fan base, and you look at Bob Levine with some of the ownership, too. Uh, if you know, uh, same thing with James Finch. You, you, you listen to the James Finch uh, interview that Dale Jr. did with him on his podcast. Yeah, the, the 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 NASCAR has turned her back on Levine's and, and the James Finches in the racing world and that's a real shame Dennis.
1: Well, yeah, NASCAR needs the Penskes. They need the Hendrick Motorsports, they need the Joe Gibbs Racing. They need these big mega teams, but they also need Ted Geschectors of the world. And they need the Levine family racing team and they need, you know, all these small teams because Here's what ends up happening or what used to happen in the old days. You used to be a small team. Look at what happened with with, uh, Richard Childress and his history. He was Mm -hmm. just hanging on as a racer, running what was at that the Sportsman Series, the the tune-up series for the Cup guys, got a chance to run because of a driver's strike at Talladega, got a chance to make some money, and got on the France family good side for helping out. The next thing you know, he's got Humphrey Wheeler, you know, helping him out. He's got this guy helping him out and this guy helping him out. Leaning, you know, sort of guiding him and and helping him develop. And look what he became. He ended up being a seven-time champion in the the game series and, and going on to have this mega team. This is a guy that grew up selling peanuts at Bowman Gray Stadium and now is, you know, gifting tens of millions of dollars at a local hospital. That's the kind of success story that can't happen nowadays because you have to come into the series with $100 million. You know, the, right. the best way to make a small fortune in racing, start with a big fortune and go racing. And, and you'll have a small fortune and then you'll have definitely
3: certainly does. We're talking with uh, Dennis uh, Michelson from D-Mike Media. We'll be taking a break here in just a moment. Real quick, uh, Dennis, let's get your prediction for Darlington in the Cup Series. I'm
1: going with Harvick. I'm not going to get any
3: Sounds good. I you know, can't can't argue with that. It'll be interesting to see uh, if it turns into the Harvick-Hamlin show, which I think it might uh, tomorrow at Darlington. Let's take a quick break now with Dennis. We certainly appreciate it. When we come back, we're going to talk to Rich Zimmerman and uh, maybe the possibility of you uh, being able to get a Road America license plate on your car. We'll find out more just after this on The Final Inspection Show.
2: This is Final Inspection with Steve Zocchi. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan.
3: Hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zaki, along with the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Orlowski, and joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, the official photographer of the Final Inspection Show. It is Rich Zimmerman. Rich, welcome to the show. Hey, Z-Man. Hey, Jeff. How are you guys?
4: I'm fantastic, Rich.
3: And uh, this is a pretty cool deal. Rich uh, got a hold of me the, the, a couple days ago and said, hey, this is a pretty neat deal about getting a Road America plate. Now, it's not a done deal, but it's something that could uh, yeah. could happen if the fans uh, jump aboard, isn't it, Rich?
5: Yeah, I believe it's Amy Somapolito's uh, idea. She does the National Park of Speed Facebook thing and her idea is to have a license plate like we have the wolf plate a badger plate a packer plate in the state of wisconsin so you could have that rather than a regular old boring plate the stage it's at right now is we need 500 signatures at road america's office by september 18th and there's a dmv form 2090 that you can get off the final inspection facebook page i put it on there And just sign it with your name and address and say you would be interested, and then mail it to Road America. But they need them by Friday, September 18th. Um, It would be $25 extra every year to give to our great state to use for whatever they do it for. But the artwork is in process, but right now it's got to be approved by the state. And then they get together with Road America and figure out the artwork, artwork, and we go from there. Hopefully, it'll yeah. have the track on it. 500
4: signatures shouldn't be too uh, too hard to get. So,
5: No. Uh, you know, I think probably they probably already got it. Got it. <laughs> I'm sorry? They might even already have it because, like, this weekend, the Porsche Club's up there, and you can sign up in the paddock shop or the office, too. So it's not necessarily that you have to do it online and get the form and mail it up there.
4: Yeah, well... You know, thanks. I you know it was great uh, that you that you threw that on Facebook, and still I uh, uh, urge everybody to download it and uh, fill it out, mail it out to Road America. Deadline's coming up September 18th, so get it done, get it in, and Rich, yeah. just uh, just thank you for being one of the rock stars on the uh, Final Inspection Show Facebook page. You're always posting great stuff and wonderful pictures and all that, so you're a true.
5: Well, True final inspection rock star here. Thank you, sir. We try to keep some images up there all the time. Been shooting at Road America since 73. So we try to throw a few up there now and then and stay yeah. current.
3: And uh, for those who uh, – uh, I, I, I actually, I really like this show because I've always been kind of jealous because Indiana actually has one for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum, which I thought was an interesting little twist. It's not oh. actually the Speedway, but it's the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum. And i got a couple of friends that has that, have that on their cars for their license plate. Cool. I thought that was very cool. I thought, man, I wish I could have that on my car. <laughs> have Indiana <laughs> yeah, plates Yeah, unfortunately, on it. you got to be in Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> right. But uh, for those who may not be aware, Rich Zimmerman, of course, long-time photographer and uh, shoots for us and uh, was able to credential him at the Milwaukee Mall. That's when we first met, probably going on yeah. 10, 10, 12 even more years ago and we got reconnected when i saw you on the old pbs milwaukee uh wasn't even that show again no um oh uh i remember I Which I can't Marty, remember, <laughs> and you were on that, and I thought, oh, I know who that is, and we we reconnected from that show. And Rich, who uh, not only is a is a fantastic uh, motorsports photographer, but did a lot uh, back in the day when in rock and roll history, and he shot some of the most iconic uh, uh, concerts dating back to the 70s in the Midwest. So I've always been kind of a little bit uh, jealous of him for for some of the shows he's been able to see over the years so rich we certainly appreciate all your contributions you bet
5: thank you yeah still trying to do the rock and roll thing but uh of course with covid that's kind of shut that down so we've been focusing on racing and going to vintage hopefully in a couple weeks at uh, road america and keep the shutter clicking
3: and you you mentioned uh, some of the projects, and you're trying to organize all your stuff. Uh, let, let the listener how many how many uh, shots or you said you had in your library that you're trying to organize. Oh jeez,
5: um, there's probably seven thousand rolls of film, uh, and then there's 140 slide trays with 140 slides in each, and then we have the digital world. And I switched to digital in like 2008 or nine. So that's, yeah, I, I just retired last year, so I've got enough work for the next 30 years.
3: <laughs> it's, a, it's a little more than a weekend project. <laughs> oh, God, I don't know how I worked on it while I was working.
5: You know, it's kind of crazy.
3: <laughs> well, Rich, we certainly appreciate it. Make sure you check out his. And uh, there's rock on there and racing. And uh,
5: actually the show I remember is on there uh, from Channel 10 on the homepage. Very and cool. I'm the only, I think, still that my dad and I are the only father's son to do that show on uh, those... channel 10 with Jim Peck
0: yeah and NHL. for those
3: who may not know uh, uh, Rich is the uh, the son of uh, media icon Carl Zimmerman who worked many many years at channel 6 so yeah, we, they're uh, uh, 45 Richard...
5: they don't know who he is
3: <laughs> no unfortunately no but uh, an absolute uh, uh, pillar in the in the media news community back in the day. So, Rich, thank you for taking time out and uh, make sure you check that out. How do you? Where's the site again?
5: RichZimmerman.com.
3: And the site for the license plate was the DOT. It's we we posted um, the, it on our web page, on our Facebook page too.
5: Right. So you can find um, it or you can go right to the DOT. The form is MV two zero nine zero. And then just mail it to Elkhart Lake, attention, Melody, if you want, or just to their office. Actually, P.O. Box 338. Very good. uh, It's neat. I think uh, the state's going to be overwhelmed with a lot of signatures. I I I really don't think think it's going to be a problem.
3: Yeah, should be interesting. Uh, Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Mike Cornelli of the VSCDA uh, about their vintage uh, racing event coming up at Elkhart Lake in a couple weeks after this on the Final Inspection Show.